I'm T.L. Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Well, this year has just flown by. And even though it's not January 1st yet, next Sunday, we celebrate the first uh, first Sunday of the new liturgical year. So this will be the last Sunday of our current liturgical year. And there's a, a three-year cycle of readings, and each year we start in the, uh, in the waiting period and the recognition that we are longing for Christ's coming, his rule and his reign. And we do that through the season of Advent. We celebrate Christmas, the Incarnation, uh, and so forth and so on. And we end the year, every year, with the celebration of the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. So we start the year longing for the rule and reign of God, that recognizing there are things that are in the world that are not right and that need the presence of God, the incarnation of God, the, uh, the manifestation of God to be set right, for things to be, um, for the justice of God and the mercy of God to come and cover the situations that we face every day. And this is the, the longing of our heart that we express through the season of Advent. Well, when we get to the end of the year, we recognize and declare and proclaim and celebrate that same rule and reign that we started the year off longing for. And it's a really interesting cycle because as soon as we're finished celebrating that, we're going to acknowledge again that we're waiting for it. So we declare it by faith because we know it to be true that Jesus Christ is the King of the universe. All things were made by him and for him. We know this by faith. We know that God is in control of all situations, and yet we still experience injustice. We still experience hardship and suffering. And so we can acknowledge by faith that God is in control and that even though the things that are around us don't immediately make sense, that God works all things, even the things that cause us suffering. He works all things for our good. We've talked about this before. The, the theological term for this is the already and the not yet. We have already experienced the incarnation of God. God became man. He did this through the womb of the Virgin Mary. Uh, we celebrated at Christmas. And then the, the culmination of that, of course, is that he then died for us, was resurrected, and rose and ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We have already experienced the redemption that comes to us from Christ through the sacraments. And yet, we've not yet experienced the full promise. We have been redeemed, but Paul says all creation continues to await the final redemption, right? So there is a, a redemption that is even further, where the kingdom of God will be made fully manifest. That's part of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer every week, uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it happen here the way that by faith we know that it happens in heaven. Right? The God who spoke and worlds were formed, we are asking that he come and he speak into our society and speak into our lives and take those things uh, that are distressing or that are, by which we feel oppressed and to set them right. 
And so here, as we come to the celebration of the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, I want to encourage you to take some time and ponder. You know, when you get to the end of the calendar year, we spend some time and we do an examination of our life. We look at the areas in our life that we want to improve and we make out um, resolutions, right? The New Year's resolution. And it's kind of a cultural phenomenon. And even people who say, well, this year my resolution is I'm not going to make any more resolutions. We, we laugh at that. But at the same time, there is this drive that we do something, that we pay attention to our lives and that we find a, a starting spot, a place that we can say, here is my milestone that today I'm going to make a change. And even though stereotypically we don't do well with resolutions, I want to encourage you here as we are at the Feast of Christ the King to, to take the time to do an examination of your life. And rather than say, how am I going to be better, right? Because uh, that's part of the thing that we do at the calendar year is we find this way of pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps of just choosing to do better. And I think that's one of the reasons that we so often fail at that. Rather, as we come to Christ the King, I want to encourage you to take the time to say, Jesus, what are the areas in my life that I am not treating you as the king, that I'm not recognizing your sovereignty, but I am choosing my own will over your will, that I'm following the the pattern of Adam and Eve rather than the pattern of Mary, uh, of saying, well, this thing is really desirable to me, and so I'm going to reach out and I'm going to grab it, rather than saying, let it be done to me according to your will. Mary is a beautiful pattern for us to recognize the sovereignty of God because she had every ability, uh, because she gave her fiat, she had every ability to not do that, to say, you know, God, I'm I'm not really thrilled with the idea of what your will is, and so I'm going to really resist it. And we have that tendency. We have the tendency to resist the will of God uh, in, in numerous areas of our lives. So I want to encourage you, this Christ the King, uh, tomorrow, take some time in silence and say, where are the areas in my life that I am not submitting myself to the sovereignty of God? What are the things that he's asking of me that I'm ignoring or that I'm choosing my own will above the will of God. And this is a very frightening prospect because there are things that we're asked to do that just really feel like a death to us. Like if I give this thing up, uh, this will be the end of me. And Christ of course says, yes, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And so the challenge for us is to say, let it be done to me, Lord, according to your will. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about Christ the King with Father Brian O'Brien out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. He's got some really important things to say to us, so don't go anywhere. Join us over on social media, though, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I'd love to have you be a part of that conversation. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL Putnam. 
And we're talking today with Father Brian O'Brien, which I've always loved that name. He's from the Diocese of Tulsa. He's the pastor at St. Francis Xavier Church in uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. It is a beautiful parish built, uh, what, April of last year. Uh, so you're just about to celebrate your second Advent in this glorious church. And uh, and it's, you know, a lot of times you see new architecture and it's like, oh, well, that's a that's a building. It's got glass and lots of, uh, lots of glass and metal. St. Francis Xavier is just beautiful. Uh, it looks like it's uh, been around for 150 years, but it's brand new. Tell us a little bit about that that facility and the thought behind uh, the the architecture. Yeah, so we uh, we just moved in uh, March of March of 2018, March 11th uh, was the dedication. It was a I mean a multi year project, um, two two full years of construction, and many many years of planning before that. Um, none of which I was involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, I I moved here two months before the church opened. So I oversaw just the the transition um, piece, but no, it's it's a wonderful building. When they when they started, this is this was basically the instruction to the architect was, we want a church that looks like a church, mm-hmm. and that that was that was where it started. Uh, and so uh, the the architect uh, Frank and Lowson out of Washington D.C. they they that's what they do. They do they do beautiful churches. They actually just got the contract for the new Blessed Stanley Rother Shrine that's going uh, in South Oklahoma City. Yeah. These, they're 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 great and they do great work and um, so that's where it started. Um, we wanted we were combining two parishes and needed more space, and then also just wanted ultimately to build something beautiful for God. Yeah, and that's what they've done. So if you can go you go to the website, there's beautiful pictures sfxstillwater.org. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful pictures, um, these kind of 3D scan, cool. Anyway, it's awesome. And of course, you can also find them not only at sfxstillwater.org, but I, I get the pictures every time there's a baptism or you've got a liturgy coming up. Uh, it comes across my Facebook feed or my Twitter feed. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's just a delight. Every time it pops up, I'm like, oh, it's it's a pretty church. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's Gothic, uh, Gothic architecture. Um, all uh, original artwork in the in the church, uh, from the statues to the altar to the Rerardo, which is like the big altar piece behind. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that came from a wonderful studio in Italy, Ferdinand Stuflesser, all shipped over. I mean, so it, it was it was expensive, but uh, it it is beautiful, whether in pictures or or in person. Well, I think this is a good time to to segue into our topic of the day. Uh, we we talk about, and we've probably heard many times, oh, if only the church would sell all the expensive things that they have, they could feed the poor, right? And the truth of the matter is, uh, one, we do spend a lot of our energies and a lot of our resources on taking care of the poor. It's, it's one of the things that is most important to us, that we are a church for the poor, because the Lord is close to the poor. But at the same time, Christ is king. And as such, because we are coming to worship, uh, worship God and to worship him as, as the king, there are certain things of, of beauty and of reverence and of majesty that we want to have, and really, even for the poor who would ha- have no other access to that kind of beauty, to be able to come in and to, uh, to be in the presence of the good and the true and the beautiful. Yeah, no, that, that was definitely the intention here was... Um and it wasn't a spare, no expense. I mean, there was not an unlimited budget. There, there never is, but it was, it was a big budget. 
Um, and the idea was we're, we're going to build something beautiful that's going to last for several hundred years. And it's going to be for all of the people of uh, Payne County, Oklahoma. So especially Stillwater, but then all these surrounding communities. And so um, it's, it's a church built for, for everybody. Um, and so it's amazing. You know, we, we, um, we have people come all the time, uh, rich, rich and poor and everything in between. And, and they get to even just for the maybe the five minutes they're here or the two hours they're here, they are in the presence of, of beauty. And it's, and it's not something beautiful and arbitrary. It's something beautiful built for a very specific purpose. And that is to be a house where mass is celebrated. Uh, and, what, and when you walk into the church, you see you know, the, the, the focal point of the church is, is the altar, which is Christ, and the tabernacle, mm-hmm. which, in which the Eucharist is reserved. Um, which is which is Christ, and which is the center of our faith, mm-hmm. and that that becomes very apparent. Even even the you know the most devoted atheist walks in the door and says, "I don't know what's going on up there, but I, whatever that is, that seems to be very important." Yeah, and that's what we wanted because Christ is King, and and therefore it belongs at the center of our lives. Yeah. So uh, we have this this liturgical year. We're at the very last week. Yeah, this and, is it. No more no more green it's going it, away. You know, we're we're entering the season after Christ the King Sunday. We're entering the season that lasts about four weeks. Where every day on Twitter, Father Brian O'Brien says, "Is it Christmas yet?" No. <laughs> well, I've got I have some parishioners here who uh, who uh, I, I've made a few uh, nods in the direction of being sort of a anti Christmas during November and early December person, and mm-hmm. they 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 think I'm a I'm a Grinch. They're like, Father, even the Pope put up his Christmas tree already. And that, and that is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, I just am, I'm a big proponent, although I'm, I'm, so I may have, I may tone it down this year slightly, but <laughs> a, a big proponent of uh, waiting until Christmas to celebrate Christmas. Because mm-hmm. uh, we're always, like, we're always in a rush. Like, you know, we're just always moving, trying to move too fast. And, and here's a chance. The church is like giving us this chance. Hey, excuse me, everyone, like slow down. We're always asking, like, oh, I just need a little time to rest. Well, here it is. Right. Like, like rest. And we don't want it. Yeah, we say, want to even fill up our rest with stuff. We do our staff Christmas party in Christmas because there's no time in Advent. Right. Uh, and that's true, too. That's, that's true, too. We, we, it's, and it's wonderful. You just move it off, but let's not get ahead of ourselves because right now we're coming up on Christ the King. Yeah. And that's not even Advent. We're, it's not even Advent. What are you doing? Look at us. We're rushing towards Advent. <laughs> so here we are. The, the churches, last week, the readings were just uh, really showing us, hey, it's going to be hard, uh, and but still I'm going to be with you. And then today at the very, or, or tomorrow rather, at the very last day of, uh, of the liturgical year, um, the last Sunday of the liturgical year, the church is saying, in all of these things, at the end of everything, Christ is King. At the end of, of um, your life, at the end of uh, your rope, whatever it is, here at the end of things, Christ is King. And then uh, next Sunday, as we get into Advent, we'll start that process over again uh, at the beginning, at the longing and at the waiting. But right now, we need to take just a little bit of time and explore what does it mean, both cosmically and, and interiorly, for Christ to be King. So, as a priest, this is something that you're focusing on and you're helping sure. trying to draw us into that mystery as well. 
explore that a little bit. Well, I've been working, you know, and this is part of uh, working, just working on my homily for, for this weekend. And I think where I'm, where I'm going with it, you know, you have in, in the gospel, we're getting uh, Luke 23 and it's Jesus being, being crucified. And, and there's the thief, you know, thief on one side, thief on the other. The one thief says, basically, look, everybody says you're a king. Like, if you are a king, like, if you're the Messiah, like, save, save yourself. And then the other one on the other side, the good, the good thief um, is saying, like, take me with you. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, I want I want to be with you in paradise, you know? And so we have these, you know, these, these kind of images, but it's, it's interesting, you know, here we are, we're talking about Christ the King. And we're being shown his his death. Uh, it would seem, at, maybe at first glance, that this is a terrible reading right. for Christ the King Sunday. Why is it not like the Transfiguration? Why is it not the Ascension? Why is it not something from Revelation where God, you know, sits on His throne? Um, it's Jesus on the cross. And so, when you think about, it, I think, and this, I think this is where I'll go with my homily, and that is, uh, you know, what do kings have? Kings have uh, a crown. Kings have thrones. Kings wear robes. Uh, kings have subjects, mm-hmm. and kings have kingdoms. So, if you think of you know the king of the king of Spain, all right, he well, I don't know, wears a crown. He has a throne. He wears a nice clothes. Uh, he has subjects, and he has a kingdom, the country of Spain. But did, but did Jesus have those things? And, and we go through them, and, and sure enough, you know, did, did Jesus have a crown? Yeah, it didn't look like it didn't. It wasn't gold and all star-studded. Um, you know, it was a crown of thorns. Did Jesus um, have a throne? And in one way, that it's the cross, and that's why we're given this. The cross is his throne. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where he sits. So when we when we depict him in Catholic churches, like of, of images of Jesus, um, how do we show him? We show him on the cross. We're proud of that. Mm-hmm. That's him, him on his throne. You know, did he wear a robe? Yeah. They put a robe on him and they mocked him. Um, does he have subjects? Yeah. He's got, he's got you and me. And then does he have a kingdom? Mm-hmm. And that's where this sort of the, the cosmic nature of, does he have a kingdom? Yeah. He has the, the, the kingdom of, of the universe. Um, but then I think where it gets a little more personal is, does Jesus have a kingdom like in, in my heart? Right. Is he? Is he? Is he? The, is he the king of my heart? He's the king of the universe. You better believe it. Mm-hmm. But is he the king of my heart? Have I? Have I? Have I let him in? Well, I think that we specifically in our culture have difficulty with the the idea of what a king is. When we think of a king, we think of um, either uh, our perception of the figurehead of of a nation as it is now, which largely uh, many of those kingdoms have also like parliamentary democracies as well. Uh, or we think of it as something that comes out of a, a fairy tale, uh, a Disney movie. And so I don't think we truly understand the sovereignty uh, that a king has in the way that the church is offering us Christ as king. And so I, I think oftentimes we don't know how to respond to that sovereignty or to respond to Christ as king as a uh, a subject of his rule. Yeah, and I think, th- you know, you look at, I think all of those all those images are are right. You know, we think of kings as being sort of arbitrary and power hungry, and mm-hmm. and so to think of Christ as a king, I, w- I would compare it to. This may get a little sensitive, but like, you know, there's I know a lot of people who have trouble 
trying to understand God as father mm-hmm. because they haven't had a father figure in their own life. Uh, or maybe their father was was not a good person, was abusive. Or, and so when we say, God, the father loves you, they come back with, well, my, my images of fatherhood are terrible. How am I supposed to understand God the Father? And so I think in, 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 a, in a less um, serious way, I guess, but to, you know, that Christ is king. How do we understand kings? If, they, if we understand them as ty- tyrannical, um, arbitrary, um, power-hungry, well, then we're going to have trouble understanding and relating to Christ the king. Um, if you come from a place that has a king and the king oppresses the poor, and then you say, Christ is king, like you're going to be like, well, I don't want if Christ is king, then I don't want Christ right. because the kings in my life are, are, you know, are terrible people. And so thinking about, you know, er- earthly kings that, that have been good. And so you think of the, the, the King, Hen- you know, these are, and these are saints, Henry and Edward, the confessor and Wenceslas and those guys like that, you know, who are, who were kings in this, in this world and were benevolent and were humble and were generous to the poor uh, that's that's those are our images of earthly kings that point us in the best way towards towards Christ the King. We're talking today with Father Brian O'Brien out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. You can find his beautiful church at sfxstillwater.org. You can also find him on social media. Twitter is Father O'Brien. There's more to come right after this as we continue exploring Christ the King. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls as we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Today we are talking with Father Brian O'Brien from St. Francis Xavier Parish in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, The first time I met Father Brian O'Brien, I was not yet Catholic. Uh, Very interested in becoming... That true? Yeah. Oh, man. Popped in the door, came into your your office there at Bishop Kelly at the time, and you gave me uh, for for my use and for my wife's use, the, um, uh, the dummies guide to Catholicism. Well, Catholicism for dummies. Yeah. It was a great book, by the way. I love that book. <laughs> I give it out a lot here in, uh, in Oklahoma. Yeah. It's kind of an insulting title, but, uh, you know, but for some of us, it, it was apropos. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's good for you. I recommend it to everybody. So one of the things that, uh, that I think is worth pointing out about you, you, were a teacher for many years. Then you became a priest and you came back, you were the president of the diocesan high school for a number of years. We thought that you were going to retire in that position. And lo and behold, you were moved to this, this parish, this beautiful parish in a college town. Uh, but I think a lot of your experience has led you to a place where you are able to distill the faith very well because you're used to dealing with, uh, with students, with people who are younger. And so you're, able to engage the imagination, I think, in very important ways. Uh, and you do that very well in person. You also do that very well on social media. And so if you want to follow Father Brian O'Brien, you can do it over at Twitter or Instagram, uh, Father F.R. O'Brien, that's with an E. Uh, and I'll let, we'll put a link to your Facebook because you've got Brian spelled two different ways in that name. We're just not going to It's very it. confusing. It's Imagine very being confusing. a small child trying to learn how to spell your name. I, uh, you know, I, 
I'm looking at this thinking the only thing that your parents could have done differently is put the other spelling of Brian as your middle name. I actually thought they, they, they should have done that, but then that my, my parents didn't know, they have no guts. <laughs> they, they truly had guts. They would have named me Brian, Brian O'Brien. They would have done it. And it's like a different spelling ah, for each one. Regrets, you know, it's part of life. <laughs> can't, can't change the past. You just have to move <laughs> forward. Uh, so father, in the last segment, you were talking about the, the, the readings that we have for this week being Christ on the cross and the good thief and the bad thief, uh, recognizing Christ in different ways. And you, you mentioned the, um, the bad thief said, if you are, if you are the King, if you are who you say you are, take yourself down from the cross. Yeah. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And that's that line right there. Throwing down a challenge on Jesus. That last little bit is what I want to hit that not only save yourself, but save us too. Uh, and I love this because this is often how we treat Christ's sovereignty, right? Well, if you really are sovereign, you should do what I want, which is completely backwards from what sovereignty is and from how sovereignty operates. Uh, and how often do we do that same thing? We, we refuse to recognize who God is unless he does what we want. Yeah, and we're told, you know, the Gospel of Matthew is, uh, you know, you shall not put your put the Lord to the test. Um, that it's not it's not us to be testing the Lord. If if anything, it's the other way around. Uh, and so this guy, I mean, just has has a whole lot of uh, of uh, moxie, as they used to say. Uh, you know, basically challenging the Lord. Like, look, I mean, everybody says you're this great thing. Um, you don't appear to be because you're dying on a cross mm-hmm. and why, you know, why would you not save yourself and, and me and right. save me, you know, why, you know, bring, bring me along with you. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's not the way, I mean, we're given a good lesson here. If that's, that's not the way we operate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not our relationship with the Lord. The, okay. Lord, you look, you work for me. Um, <laughs> I'm the, I'm the sovereign one and you work for me. Um, I'm the center of the universe and you need to do, do what's going to make my life better and easier and make me more, more wealthy or whatever it may be, as opposed to conforming our will to that, which is, uh, which God has put in our life. Well, a lot of expressions of Christianity and, and both denominationally, and then also with us, as we experience Christianity, we tend to treat the, the holy things of God as good luck charms and talismans, that if I just do the right thing or pray the right prayer, I'm going to get what I want, rather than looking at the faith as something that we are conformed to, that we are transformed by the power of God into what it is He wants us to be and not the other way around. Yeah, and so you look at, I mean, the most famous example is the, in the book of Job in the Old Testament. You know, uh, the, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Mm-hmm. Um, blessed be the Lord. Job had a had a good attitude towards it, and that is things are things happen to us, and it's not as a necessarily a result of of anything we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I you know I see it a lot of times in parish life. You know, people who something bad happens, and and they say, "But Father, I but I go to mass every Sunday. How can this happen to me? Mm-hmm. You know, I've raised my kids well, and how can this happen to me? As if there's some sort of quid pro quo, like well, if you go to Mass every Sunday, then nothing bad will ever happen to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pray every day, then then this will be 
you know, there, you'll, there'll be some material good that comes out of it. And that's just, it's just not the way it works. It's, it's, God has never spoken that way. God has not promised that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you hear a lot of prosperity gospel preachers who go down that road of like, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're, your life isn't going so well. It's because you're not faithful. Yeah. Like what? No, that's, that's not the way that it works. And this, and this beautiful passage, Luke 23, really kind of makes that, makes that clear, puts those, those, the good thief and the bad thief kind of in contrast to one another with Christ in the middle. Well, and you know, with the, with the good thief, uh, traditionally known as St. Dismas, we have this, this pattern for us. Here I am and I'm in my suffering and I want to go where you go. Not, not God, get me off of this and, and go where I want to go, but go, I'll go with you. I'll, I'm going to follow you to your kingdom. And apparently that's through death. Just take me with you. Right. And yeah, G- Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So this guy dismiss, you know, al- aligns his, what's happening to him, which is he's dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even in this, in his case, I mean, is dying due to his own actions, you know, I mean, he, he committed a wrong act for which he's being put to death, but even in that there is redemption. And we see, I mean, that's, that's the power of Jesus Christ that, he can work even in the life of of, uh, of a criminal. He can work even in the life that's about to, to end. Uh, he is the Lord. He is the sovereign king. And going back to this idea of the, the prosperity gospel, the, the, the witness of the saints is quite the opposite. And I remember this really hit home recently, probably about a year ago. Two, no, longer than that. Uh, we were going through a very difficult time as a family, and and. I'm just praying, you know, God, let your will be done and and deliver us from this difficulty. And all of a sudden I start thinking about St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, whose husband failed in business and then he died. And then uh, the difficulty she went into after that and realizing that this is how the saints lived and were sanctified. And, and if God would not give prosperity in, in the material sense to these people whom he most dearly loved, why would I expect anything different? So yeah, I mean, the saints are, uh, yeah, are just, there's marvelous examples, you know, and, and out of that, I mean, so this great tragedy happens to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and out of that comes an entirely new way of, of devoting her life to the Lord mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a nun, as a sister, as an educator. Um, so if, that, if, the bad, if the bad doesn't happen, the greatest good of her life in addition to being a wife and a mother, doesn't never occurs. Mm-hmm. And, but there was someone who aligned her will to what was happening to her life. Okay, her husband died. Mm-hmm. You, you would not blame her if she just kind of gave up and said, I, I don't believe in God anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, God killed my husband. Um, I, I can't follow a God who does that. Or are you, are you like St. Dismas? Of, okay, this has happened to me. Uh, Lord, in, in some way, your will be done. And I'm going to align my life with yours. And we're going to see what good that God, that God can bring out. And what did God do? God made, you know, made her a saint. Yeah. And, Amazing. and the question is, are we going to, to maintain uh, our, our pride and, and our entitlement to comfort? Or are we going to say with the saints, with St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, with St. Dismas, uh, Lord, let it be done to me according to your will. And, yep. and to give ourselves over, or or as the uh, the, the classic is entitled, uh, 
abandon ourselves to divine providence. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know of any other way to live. Uh, if you're kind of in this constant state of up and down where you think God is sort of some kind of, you know, puppet master who's, who's moving things around and like, okay, you didn't do good things today. Now here's some, now something bad's going to happen to you or, okay, no, you've said your prayers today. Now here's a hundred dollars. Right. Like the, the arbitrariness of that is just, um, it's, 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 it's illogical. Um, so to, to, you know, this is why, why Christ the King Sunday is so important. Um, Jesus is Lord and he's, and he's Lord of our lives. And a King is a King every day. A King is a King in good times and in bad. And, and that sovereignty doesn't change. So every morning in, as, as Paul would say, whether in plenty or in want, whether in, in good times or in bad, we can say, in season and out of season. yeah, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will, right? Every morning, if we if that's our mindset, then then we begin to understand what it means, even in those difficult times, for Christ to be sovereign, for Christ to be king. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. So, I think we're so blessed. I mean, just the whole liturgical calendar uh, brings us through the ups and the downs in, of life. Uh, you know, Lent to Easter, um, Advent into Christmas, and and there's no coincidence that we end the liturgical year with this great celebration of, of, and, and the whole thing, by the way, it's called, um, it's the solemnity of, of Christ, our King. What is it? Uh, Jesus whole, Christ, King of the universe. Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Yeah. So it's not just King. He's, you know, Kings have kingdoms. What is his kingdom? It is everything. <laughs> the universe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this is no small matter. And then to take that, I mean, really personally to say, you know, so you're, okay. You're telling me that the King of the universe Loves me, loves me, really, and and you know we would say loud and proud like yeah yes, mm-hmm. you're telling me that the king of the universe can live in my heart, yeah you're telling me the king of the universe can can be placed in my hand or placed on my on my tongue every Sunday for me to eat, yeah the bigness of it makes so intimate kind of the the the, the humility of Christ it's awesome. It reminds me of a, a line from a John Donne poem as he's talking about the incarnation and uh, the God of the universe subjecting himself to being born. And he says this of Mary. He says, immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. And the God of the universe did come to us in a very personal way and make himself small for us. Yeah, I mean, there, and there's just nothing better. I mean, I think to... To really, and I would encourage anybody listening, get, just give that some thought. Mm-hmm. Um, that the one who made it all um, cares cares deeply for you and, and walks by your side every day. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing better. We've been talking today with Father Brian O'Brien, who is the the pastor at St. Francis Xavier Parish in Stillwater, Oklahoma. You can follow him on Twitter, and I highly suggest that you do by going to Twitter slash Father O'Brien, F-R-O-B-R-I-E-N. And while you're there, point on over and follow at Outside the Walls as well. There's much more to come as we take our look at Scripture and church history right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. And today we talked about Christ the King, the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, the last day in the, well, the last Sunday in the liturgical year. We were joined by Father Brian O'Brien, who's the pastor of St. Francis Xavier Parish in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, he tweets over at Father O'Brien, F R O B R I E N. And he also is one of the co-hosts of the podcast, The Pastors of Pain. That's P-A-Y-N-E in reference to the county that he's from. Uh, Two of my favorite priests in the whole wide world uh, co-host that together and just have a great time while they're doing it. I encourage you to go over and take a listen. If you missed any part of today's show or you want to share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. And as always, while you're there, we have an extra segment with Father O'Brien that's available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. Uh, This was a fun one because I I know Father O'Brien. He was one of the priests that I interacted with before I became Catholic. And that always makes the extra segments fun because there's that that personal relationship, that connection uh, that lets us dig a little bit deeper and do some reminiscing while we were at it. So I encourage you to go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see something that says Patreon-support-the-show. Click that link, follow the directions, and get access to all the extra segments we have, including today's with Father O'Brien. Well, let's go ahead and turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. We're going to read first out of the book of Colossians, chapter 1. And because culturally we have an imperfect view of what kingship is, I want to take some extra time. I want to just read it a little bit more slowly and sit with these words. What does it mean in in light of Christ being sovereign, Christ being the king of the universe? Brothers and sisters, let us give thanks to the Father who has made you fit to share in the inheritance of the holy ones in light. He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he himself might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things for him, making peace by the blood of his cross through him, whether those on earth or those in heaven. That reading again comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1. There are two phrases out of here that kind of stand out. The first one is, is fairly obvious because we're talking about Christ the King, and it says, He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
And so this obviously is going to be the first one we jump at because it has the word kingdom right in it. But if we don't have a solid understanding of what that kingdom is, then it doesn't do us a whole lot of good. But I think Paul says something here that really helps us get a sense of what is meant by Christ being sovereign, what is meant by Christ being king. And it's this, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. It can be easy to look at the circumstances of our life and think sometimes things are falling apart. And yet in him, all things hold together, even if we don't perceive it or understand it as being held together. You know, a lot of times we think, well, God's forgotten me and I'm abandoned. But St. Thomas Aquinas would say that, no, the very fact that we exist is proof that God is concentrating on us, thinking of us, willing us. Because the moment that Christ ceases to think about something or someone, it's not that it all goes wrong, it's that it ceases to be, that we are held together, all things hold together in him. And so even when things are difficult, we can trust that all things are subject to him and that that he will carry us through this and he has our good in mind. And the suffering that we experience is meant in many ways to draw us more deeply into that kingdom that we would say with Mary, that fiat, Lord, let it be done to me according to thy word. That we could say with Jesus in the garden, Lord God, this is what I want. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Our reading today from Church History comes from a notebook on prayer by Origen. The kingdom of God, in the words of our Lord and Savior, does not come for all to see, nor shall they say, Behold, here it is, or Behold, there it is. But the kingdom of God is within us, for the word of God is very near, in our mouth and in our heart. Thus it is clear that he who prays for the coming of God's kingdom prays rightly to have it within himself, that there it might grow and bear fruit and become perfect. For God reigns in each of his holy ones. Anyone who is holy obeys the spiritual laws of God, who dwells in him as in a well-ordered city. The Father is present in the perfect soul, and with him Christ reigns, according to the words, We shall come to him and make our home with him. Thus the kingdom of God within us as we continue to make progress, will reach its highest point when the apostles' words are fulfilled. And Christ, having subjected all his enemies to himself, will hand over his kingdom to God the Father, that God may be all in all. Therefore, let us pray unceasingly with that disposition of soul which the word may make divine, saying to our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Note this too about the kingdom of God. It is not a sharing of justice with iniquity, nor a society of light with darkness, nor a meeting of Christ with Belial. The kingdom of God cannot exist alongside the reign of sin. Therefore, if we wish God to reign in us, 
in no way should sin reign in our mortal body. Rather, we should mortify our members which are upon the earth and bear fruit in the Spirit. There should be in us a kind of spiritual paradise where God may walk and be our sole ruler with his Christ. In us, the Lord will sit at the right hand of that spiritual power which we wish to receive, and he will sit there until all his enemies, who are within us, become his footstool, and every principality, power, and virtue in us is cast out. All this can happen in each one of us, and the last enemy, death, can be destroyed. Then Christ will say in us, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? And so what is corruptible in us must be clothed with holiness and incorruptibility. And what is mortal must be clothed, now that death has been conquered, in the Father's immortality. Then God will reign in us, and we shall enjoy even now the blessings of rebirth and resurrection. That reading comes from A Notebook on Prayer by Origen. And so now we circle back around to that idea of the New Year resolution. As we enter into this liturgical year beginning next week, let's take the time right now to say, God, what are those things that are in me that are not subjected to your rule and reign? Where are the places in my own life that I've allowed a counterclaim of sovereignty to take away your rightful place as king of my life. And to take that time to submit that to the Lord and to allow his enemies in us to be made subject to him and to be placed under his feet. And for us to say to him, this is hard and it's difficult, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Because it's only in that place where we are subjects of the king that we have been fully made free from our slavery, right? Back to our reading from from Scripture. It says to us that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So how would it do for us to reject that citizenship in the kingdom of heaven and to reclaim and desire being once again subject to the power of darkness. We have this really laid out very clearly for us by St. Paul in Romans 6, 7, and 8. And if you wanted some homework to do here on Christ the King, that would be where I would send you. Just go spend a little bit of time in Romans 6, 7, and 8 and see that God has created us not to be slaves to sin, but yes, to be slaves, to be slaves to righteousness, where we say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I subject myself to your sovereignty, Christ the King. That's all the time we have for today. Our show is brought to you today by Joseph Roberts and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.